0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Southeast Asia Dispatches. This week, Aisha Llewellyn talks to Effendi Aritorang, the National Director of Yayasan Fundasi Hidup, an Indonesian NGO based in Medan, North Sumatra. The foundation was created in Indonesia after the devastating 2004 tsunami, and today it works to address all forms of human poverty through education, healthcare, and disaster risk reduction. As part of our COVID-19 coverage, Effendi talks to Aisha about the work his foundation does and how you can help apply some of their methods in your local community.
1: This is another episode of our new podcast for New Narrative. I'm Aisha Llewellyn, and I'm here with New Narrative's legal advisor, Ranto Sibarani. And today we have with us Mr Effendi Aritonam, who is the National Director of Yayasan Fundasi Hidup. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: And Pak Director, if I can start with you. So you are the National Director of Yayasan Fundasi Hidup. Yes. Um, and you've come to talk to us today a little bit about Corona and what we can do to help uh, mm-hmm. using your experience. So, um, we were just doing, we were having a chat before we started this podcast and you were talking to me specifically about two of the things that you do mm. already. And so if we could talk about those, because I think they have a very natural fit mm-hmm. to, uh, corona. to Corona. Yeah. So one you were saying <laughs> is hygiene and the other is food. Mm-hmm. Could you just explain a little bit about what you do and why those two go together?
2: Yeah. So those two things uh, is are actually related to a big theme what we call it stunting. So Indonesia is facing a a big challenge of uh, having the uh, numbers of children born or grew up stunting is very high so uh, and uh, being stunted actually will be a hindrance a a big obstacle for children to grow well when they grow grown up. So uh, based on the worldwide studies uh, done by many uh, uh, reputable uh, institutions, stunting caused by uh, many factors. There are two things also uh, that we uh, highlight. One is uh, related to the uh, hygiene environment, basically to provide the uh, living environment that's healthy enough for the lactating mother, for the pregnant mother and the children to grow well. Secondly is the provisions or the consumption of nutrition food. So those two things are uh, related together.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Mr. Pendy, I'm interested that you're saying you're working in the rural communities, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, based on your experience, how do you look the health of the community in rural? Do you think their health is already good before the corona? or? how if corona come to the rural hmm. community that you're working
2: yeah if if we look at the rural context in in the perspective of a threat of the uh, corona outbreaks there i think there are several things that we can uh, observe and learn and i would say that uh, we need to change that actually w- one is related to the uh, infrastructure health infrastructure right of course one of the problem in the rural is uh, if if there is any case of the mass outbreaks and the numbers of people are infected in reality the health infrastructures are not there you rely on the puskesmas the mm. the village health center yeah often only being uh, attended by one nurse right
1: not even a doctor not even yeah. a doctor
2: and then right. very limited uh, uh, in supplies of medicines. So you put this together with the l- very limited transportation if, if there is any emergency of evacuations. So you see already a very ugly pictures here. We, we really would like to focus our effort to to increase the preparedness of the community. They know what coronavirus is, what's the risk it causes, and how they can probably prevent themselves from being infected. I think it is not over exaggeration to think that there might be probably unknown case there. And then uh, if that really happens, how can we help them? And that's, that's a big question. <laughs> right.
1: So at the moment, it's prevention is better than cure. I,
2: I think so. Uh,
3: what is the important things to do to, to prevent the coronavirus enter the community rural, like you said?
2: Mm. I, I think I, I'm not an expert, to be honest, uh-huh, but okay. I'm more like a development practitioner. What I notice is that I think because our information is not accurate mm-hmm. and then our response is not proper. Like we can be panicked without mm-hmm. knowing what we are panicked about. Mm-hmm. So by providing good informations, accurate information about what it is, mm-hmm. how it works and how it can be prevented. I think we can increase the resilience of the community. Mm-hmm. So now, for example, People don't. No one don't really understand what it means. Social distancing.
1: Yeah, and that's a very a very alien concept. <laughs> it is in a Indonesia. very alien concept in Indonesia.
2: Like, so we are a very communal community. Yes. So, it is beyond many of Indonesians' uh, imagination. For example, to cancel or to postpone a wedding. Yeah. At this time now, for the sake of mm-hmm. saving lives, but. How can you do that? I mean, we are very communal, it is very hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. somebody passed away and then uh, it's not because of virus, but somebody just passed away. And then it is in our customs that any funeral is a community event. I mean, this is the time for everybody to express sympathy and then sharing hopes with a a beautiful family. But we need to to keep away from that event. How can we educate our people to understand that this is a different time that we can express our sympathy, empathy to the beauty family in a different way? But I honestly, very sadly to say, there has been no enough education about it. So uh, it is it is unfortunate. So I think to provide good information like what we are doing now in, in this uh, conversation is one way to. Increase our understanding about it and how we can together work to reduce the bad impact of this uh, virus
1: It's interesting you bring up community because um, Indonesia is is built on community and we were Mm -hmm. discussing that a little bit before and what I was saying (coughs) is from my perspective because I come uh, originally from London is that Indonesia is a country where it's no stranger to crisis, right? Um, we're on the ring of fire here. There are tsunamis, there are earthquakes, there are volcanoes. You just name it. it, it there's, there's, there's many, many things that can go wrong here, unfortunately, and do it quite frequently. Um, and as a journalist, I cover those and I do breaking news and disaster response mm. a lot. And what I'm always very impressed with is that I've noticed that um, local communities really galvanize when mm. there's a crisis. They really get down on the ground, they mm-hmm. collect goods, they deliver things, um, and I was saying to you earlier from my perspective, you know, in the UK we have baked in systems that help in a response, mm-hmm. like we have the NHS, we mm-hmm. have like food banks and things like that, mm-hmm. you don't have to rely on your local community or neighbours as mm-hmm. such, we have, you know, all the kind of state welfare that we mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. is is meant to support. Um, And perhaps because we don't have those structures Mm -hmm. in place in Indonesia in quite the same way, community becomes a very big issue. And you were saying that that's really how you approach your day-to-day work Mm -hmm. uh, with your foundation when you're doing things like education about stunting and and, um, giving out supplies. Mm -hmm. And you were also saying that you thought that community, again, is going to be the way to kind of... um, help the people the best. Mm. Could you explain a little bit about how you, the community approach that you take in your day-to-day work?
2: Okay. Yeah. We, we believe that it is the community who will, at the end of the story, should be the, the, the key player mm-hmm. of the development. So, our organization is, is an ad hoc player. So, uh, knowing that we we really respect and really enter the community with the understanding that we come to the community not trying to become the problem solver of any any situation that they face we basically come to them as their i would say partners i mean uh, we would like to 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 work together with them to help them or to work with them to identify what are the strengths that they have inside them already that will increase their capacity to improve their wellness as a community mm-hmm. so and then we basically come to to the community and said hey hey uh, we we have permission from you to do this assessment and this is the result of the assessment this is the level of your vulnerability from health education, livelihood and uh, disaster mm-hmm. of resilience or something like that so based on that we we sit down with the community and said that hey yeah uh, so now if we are here with you for the next eight years becoming your partners how we can work together to change that picture in the next eight years. So we work together with the community. So that's our basic principle when we we work with the community. Because at the end of the day, there will be a day when we have to say farewell to the community and say, hey, it's been a great time to work with you. We have learned a lot by working with you. But now, you need to continue the journey by yourself. I mean, we we are privileged that we have been working with you for, for a number of years. So that same principle we apply anywhere we go, including when we are carrying or we are, in, we are, we are doing a relief, disaster relief response, for example. So we, we, don't, we don't want just to go there and then drop everything and then leave.
1: Yeah, that was interesting when we were talking before the interview, you were telling me about how you actually hand out goods, yeah. so when you actually take things like is it yeah. food and, and supplies, yeah. because I think that that's really important, because I think a lot of people here listening to this really want to help, mm-hmm. right? and so we were going back to the idea of, of people um, galvanizing in a response, yeah. and then taking, say, boxes of Indomie, and yeah. rice, and yeah. chilies, yeah, and, and, and just like handing them all yeah. out. And yeah. you were saying that's absolutely not your approach. Mm-hmm. Um, could you explain what your approach actually is and why that's better? Yeah, when it course, comes to actual exactly. concrete.
2: True. For example, we acknowledge that our resources is limited. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't come with unlimited resources. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging that li- resources is limited, time is limited. We want to make sure that these limited resources will go to the most needy group. I mean in in event of disaster for example everybody claims that they're in need. I mean that's very common. I mean we we don't want to argue with that but still in that context there are a group of people in the community that even more vulnerable than anybody else. So the elderly, people with physical uh, limitations. And then uh, many other things. So we children. go children. So we go to the community. Of course, it's not always ideal, but as much as we can before we distribute the goods that we bring, with just like wait a minute. Look, if we were going to sort out in the community, who do you think is the most vulnerable among you? And then they talk about themselves. So we basically don't don't go to the community and say hey this goods is only for the elderly so they decide for themselves so you
1: let them do it let them don't. do
2: it yeah so that they they take ownership of that and then actually by so doing we actually trying to impart a new perspective being mm-hmm. a community so healthy community in our perspective is a community that is caring one another and helping those who are not able to help themselves if community are not protectives protecting the vulnerable and then those who are less able to help themselves and then what's the idea of being community right. so yeah that's that's basically the idea about be behind it
1: so and that applies well to corona right so yeah, it's the exactly. same thing so rather than just going and taking bags of stuff true uh, working with the community mm-hmm. or with mm-hmm. other stakeholders who may be able to go and work with the community to exactly. make sure that you know the right things go yeah. to the right people so uh,
3: how do you look the response the world responds now to the corona? I mean, Indonesia we we are now in is a higher highest number of dead people because of the corona, right? Uh, our number is eight percent. Yeah,
1: the highest
3: mortality. The the, the highest morta- yeah. mortality, mortality rate. Yeah. So, yeah. I I want to ask you, how do you look the response of
2: the world to this corona? It's, it's going to be a big talk. <laughs> <laughs> not an easy question. Uh, yeah, but um. I, I was I was trying to, I mean, just a, a few days ago, I was contemplating about this global crisis, this pandemic. So it's just like, you know, it, it's very sad for us as, as human being. I mean, why do we need to wait until crisis comes to us that awaken us that we are one humanity? I mean... That's very that's very tragic. So, but it is what it is. You know, I mean now, once we realized that this is no longer just the problem of people of China, mm-hmm. we started to realize. I said, oh wow, this is mm-hmm. our problem too. Now I think we started to see that there's a global response. Mm-hmm. Tra- people is trying mm-hmm. to say that how can we help you? Mm-hmm. I mean Indonesia receives a bunch of help from. Uh, from China. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Masks and equipment. Yeah, masks right.
2: and equipment. And then uh, the boss of the uh, uh, Alibaba, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jack Ma, uh, donated a bunch of uh, assistance to yeah. Indonesia. Doctors from Cuba, regardless of all their political differences, <laughs> decided to come and help people in Italy. But because of this crisis, I mean, people started to realize, that hey, this crisis is far beyond our political interests. I started also to see that In the micro level in in the community we started to give a better appreciation to doctors i mean i mean for many years i personally i i never really realized that how much it takes for a a doctor paramedics Mm -hmm. to reach themselves to save one life i mean until now i just had to realize that wow so i think the the good thing with this is just like i think this is an alarm to wake us all together in this one planet mm-hmm. that we are at the end of the day is one humanity regardless mm-hmm. of our race our nationality our political ties on everything we are one humanity we must so face it together we must face it together so i don't like this virus but thanks to this virus to wake us up mm-hmm. i mean I one, yeah. yeah yeah i don't think that country per country can Can save themselves. I think this is this is not the time to be uh, overly pride of our nationality. I think this is not the time. I mean this is the time really to say like hey yeah we need help but on the other hand I think this is also the time for Indonesia. I mean we we, we, we still don't this. I mean I don't know I mean I just follow from media and it is very sad to see that still some people in Indonesia seems to be very I don't want to to, to stigmatize, mm-hmm. but uh, a little bit narrow-minded mm-hmm. to think that oh, I don't want that group is different from my group, and then we are still segregated. I mean, when this happened, I started to look at this as like I I honestly said that God, if if this little crazy virus will help Indonesia realize that we are one country together and regardless of all our Mm-hmm. differences in political uh, yeah, camps, religions, <laughs> and then we know that we, yeah. our nation was almost divided by, by our previous elections because of that things. If this little crazy virus can help us change as a nation, it's just like, gosh, I don't like what it brings, but I hope we will be healed mm-hmm. from being segregated as a nation to become reunited again.
1: Yeah, that's a great message, I think, (laughs) to to kind of end with. Um, The last thing that we wanted to ask you was, I think people, there is a lot of kind of coming together. There is Mm. a lot of, we're in this together and we want to help. And there's a lot of people who do want to help Mm. and I think don't know quite the right way to do it. Um, But also, yeah, just kind of handing out, Mm-hmm. you know, paper towels to people or whatever is not yeah. particularly helpful. So, in your experience, what should we do and what shouldn't we do? How can we, the everyday person who just wants mm. to like do their best to help with this, what is it that mm. we can do, do you think, that would be the best?
2: I think the, the expensive lesson learned from many disaster response so far is that lacking of coordination. So some people may come with a very good intention, trying to help, but without good coordination, we create more trouble. So I think it is good if we coordinate somehow. And then I think in each cities there's been some coordinations, uh, office. It is good to be connected. That's that's my. That's kind of like my point of view, because otherwise, but coordination sometimes comes with its other uh, downside of it uh, become, becoming very slow. It can be
3: bureaucratic. bureaucratic.
2: So I, I would say that I, I would encourage us to take some uh, active initiatives. We can form a, a community, community of trying to provide uh, hand sanitizer. Uh, another community is trying to provide uh, a mask. Uh, to to the other community and then but if we know who really needs that will help us not to waste our limited resources because what happens now is that like it's not that we are lacking of mass the Mm -hmm. problem is people are crazy to grab mass so that people in need of that are not able to access it and then the price is crazily expensive now so what we can do is really to to do some small initiatives but know exactly said okay now who need mass mm. doctors need mass more than anybody else now yeah sick people need mass more than anybody else now so if we can direct our limited resources to those group and then that will increase the impact rather than just throwing away uh, limited resources so so i believe in the in the in in coordination yeah i mean uh, at least we know where to allocate our limited resources so i I would say that this is smart allocations of our limited resources
1: okay good idea
2: yeah try to limit our interaction physically with other people
3: social distance
2: social distancing so the the yeah yeah. it's always fun i mean i'm an outward person Uh, i like social honestly i i I started to feel that my my personality is uh, crying because I need to start limiting my social time. We we do our own church at home. Now that's another challenge for people because we love being social, I mean, but yeah. this is the time when we redefine what it means it's a community. It's a social life. So I think it's it's time to. to yeah. So
1: if people want to donate resources, like say hand sanitizer, instead of going out to local villages, which might seem like mm-hmm. a, a nice thing to do, yeah. If it's a remote community, you might actually be spreading it. So it's yeah. better to. What would it be better to do? So like if I had a box of hand sanitizer, it's better to give it to the professionals, like yeah. I don't know Red Cross it, or yeah. You know, um, it could be yeah. Who, who yeah. are then going to coordinate the response and leave yeah. it to them rather mm-hmm. than me doing it. Is well, I
2: think there's some, there's some groups now putting that together. I mean, uh, Indonesian Red Cross is uh, trying mm-hmm. to pull together some donations and then some uh, doctors associations, they put right. together also their platform to say that, hey, look, we have doctors who need a lot of support now. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we can tap on that and then that will help us uh, to, to, to uh Allocate our distribute. I mean, the uh, resources to the to the right uh, group. It does not mean that we overlook any individual who might. If we know for sure there's an individual in it, I don't think we need to, to to be uh, trapped by by coordination. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. we can use our common sense. Right. Okay. that Situation. Yeah. On a case by case basis.
1: Alright, that's excellent. Great tips. Thank you for thank you very sharing much. with us. Yeah, thank no. you for coming in today and yeah, let's all hope, hope yeah. for the best and thank you for your good work in the community. Thank you very much. Thank
2: you, thank you for this uh, conversation. Hopefully this will help This too awesome. shall
1: pass. Yeah. Let's hope. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's much. been a great
2: time. Thank you.
0: And that was Aisha Llewellyn talking to Offendi Aritonang, the National Director of Yayasan Fandasi Hidup. Our thanks to Effendi for being our guest on this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week to New Narrative's political agenda, our podcast on current affairs in Singapore, and check out our website at newnarrative.com for more stories from Southeast Asia. If you enjoy what we're doing, please do support our work by subscribing to New Narrative at newnarrative.com/join. Membership start at just 52 US dollars a year. That's just 1 US dollar a week. This is PJ Thumb wishing all our listeners a great week ahead. Sampai jumpa!